Welcome to episode 195 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Helen Tran. She's a design lead at Shopify, visiting us in town from Toronto. She was in town for Shopify's developer conference called Unite, where they announced Polaris, their style guide, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Super cool stuff. It was great to finally catch up with her. Yes. It was about that time. Mm-hmm. We've been internet friends for a minute, and it was awesome to get to talk to her in person. Before we start the show, we have a new sponsor. What up? This week, our sponsor is Fuse. Fuse is making it easy to build native apps on iOS and Android simpler and faster for, like, everyone. So it's it allows you, as a designer, to work with these components that feel a bit more like front-end engineering work, the stuff that designers tend toward kind of naturally. And for developers, it lets them build a cross-platform in a single syntax. They have this .ux file type. It's a really cool syntax. Like, I'm, I'm pretty into it. Okay, so let's break this down. So Fuse helps you build native apps on iOS and Android. It makes it easy. It makes it fast. Uh, but they've built the tool so that it's accessible for designers and developers alike. You're sh- using shared components, so changes in the design reflect in changes in code and vice versa, which makes Brent teamwork and I much have easier. been talking about for forever as like one of the most important problems that can be solved right now is bridging the gap between design and development. And they're doing it. Uh, they're making incredible cross-platform features, component-based UI engines. It's a real-time workflow where every change is instantly reflected on device and in the desktop simulator. It runs on Mac and Windows. Uh, you can think of it like Unity, but for app development. So, If you're familiar with Unity, which is for building video games. a tool <laughs> that gives you everything to do everything. It's an incredibly powerful visual editor. Couldn't be more excited about this problem in product design being solved in such a neat way. Uh, and Fuse has done a great job. This is seriously like an area that we are so stoked on, but we haven't seen anyone doing something with this approach. So it's it's a really interesting, unique approach. And it's pretty cool that it actually just like ships yeah. actual native code. So if you're a designer and you want to play around with making your own apps, you can go to fusetools.com. Uh, if you have a team that builds iOS or Android apps and you want to make your life a whole lot easier, it's also at fusetools.com. Click around, they have doc. Uh, insane documentation with tons of examples uh, they have a showcase of apps that have been built with fuse they have a community where you can get live chat on a slack team they have a forum where you can ask questions you can just stop prototyping and actually build a thing yeah imagine if all the hours you invested learning prototyping tools you invested into something that actually output an app that works with native code exactly so that's fuse uh, again go to fusetools.com learn more share it with your team We're super excited about this problem. It's an incredibly hard problem. And Fuse is taking steps in the right direction to make product design and development a better thing. So go to FuseTools.com. Thank you so much, Fuse, for making this episode possible. Thanks once again to Fuse. With that, let's get into episode 195 with Helen Tran. Hi, my name is Helen. I work at Shopify. I'm a design lead been working in the industry for a while mm-hmm. i've been around nice. uh, and now i just tweet that's all i do i tweet <laughs> and manage people and talk about scaling and well, so you're management real is just tweeting right <laughs> pardon <laughs> management is just tweeting though right yeah or, or is that it's, ic work it's no it's definitely all tweeting yeah like, do you manage all of your reports uh twitter activity as well tweeter i actually did <gasps> insist that one of my reports get more active on twitter like <gasps> 
three days ago. <laughs> tell me, tell me hey, more. Your personal brand is lacking. Uh, yeah. We need to sell uh, this. Hey, you don't have enough followers for us to be <laughs> proud of you, and you want us to be proud of you. You put on your resume that you had four hundred followers. You have three hundred ninety-two. So. Let's step that up. How am I supposed to support you if you're not even supporting yourself? Have you guys? <laughs> Have you seen that whole thing where people First step. like say you must have a certain number of followers on Dribble or something what? in a like job description? Yeah, that's wait what? Just bananas that's a thing that has and happened, bullshit. and I cannot believe wait, that. Is that exists. like is that like San Francisco thing? Because I, I don't know. Kind of I, I actually bubble. don't know where. I think, it's uh, from. Yeah, Dan Petty tweeted a photo of a job listing, and the job listing was like, must be a thousand followers famous on, on Dribbler. Yeah. Oh my God, what? Some bullshit like that. Yeah. Dan always tw- like finds he, these like, How does he crazy- find these? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he finds these crazy job postings, and I'm like, what are you reading, bro? Like, yeah, how did you get there? He must just. <laughs> He must just have a secret source for shitty job postings. Yeah, he has like dark hole in the internet. Yeah, yeah. Like he knows where the bad dot ones com. are. Dark hole <laughs> is where all the bad design job listings go to die. Yeah, and, and a bunch of other bad things that he tweets about. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, it where did you find hole, that? Though. That's too skeuomorphic. It's got to be flat. Uh, well, hmm. Is there an argument on designer D- news dark about that? Dark spot on what? It's designer news. I'm unfamiliar. What? I refuse to acknowledge its existence. <laughs> Oh, it's like hacker news, but for angry designers. <laughs> oh. Wait, so instead of angry programmers, all kinds of designers, or like a specific kind? No, just like the angry ones. Mm, cool. Just sounds like really a nice mean ones place. that won't order t-shirts for girls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, statistically, most designers are boys, so we only get. Small boys t-shirts. Wow. <laughs> this is be quickly becoming the snarkiest podcast we've oh, ever Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I'll pull back the snark. I want to pull back. Why did you have your report? i pull back the curtain. Why did you ask hell. your report to be more active on Twitter? Oh, it was just, it was, um, I had just announced that he had become a lead. And so he worked himself into leadership. <laughs> he needs to be a thought leader too. Yeah. Damn it. No. I, and then I, was, I was just teasing him. I was like, hey, you should like change your title and be proud of your like... Your impact uh, yeah, change yeah. or whatever, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> or whatever all that bullshit management mumbo oh jumbo God. is that I'm, I'm supposed the worst to say. Manager. I say like I say what people expect me to say and then I follow it up with or whatever bullshit you want me or whatever bullshit you want to hear. That's like the perfect manager speak. <laughs> it's like I'm supposed to tell you this. Legally. I read in a book that I'm supposed to say this, but really do whatever you want, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like your freak flag fly. Freak yeah. flag freak fly. Flag. Yo, why is that so hard to say? <laughs> That's a tough one. Freak flag fly. Is is this, say that is this interesting podcast one. listeners? Do you want to hear us say well, this? Well, these are these are very minutes? good audio jokes. <laughs> All right, listeners. They play well. Say that five times fast. <laughs> At least they're not people waving their hands, which tends to be a thing. People are like making a shape and you're like, that didn't go into the microphone. Yeah, like this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That shape was so good, Brian. Pretty sick that shape. hand gesture. <laughs> Pretty <Whoa>. good. <laughs> It's the first time I've ever seen that shape. Oh my god! <laughs> this is the first time we've ever just sat on the floor in the middle of the podcast and laid down. And wow! Like, so yeah. Sad. If only everyone could see right now. It's yeah, yeah. Really crazy. It's really crazy. Actually, I listened to a radio show. I used to be a huge fan of this um, radio show. I won't mention it because it probably looks bad on me. But they oh. started creating like a video component. It was super cool. So they had um, they had recordings, mm-hmm. and then every so often they would just film it, and then people would get to like live chat to them are you trying to guilt time. us into not in like because we don't do this no is, is that just, what this is i'm just Helen? i'm just talking about, i thought we were cool just talking about the medium <laughs> i think video is interesting I'm, I'm just, we used, I'm, we used to I'm stream trying these. to relate to you yeah 
I just want to be part of this. <laughs> Can I just uh, be your friend? <laughs> we, uh, yes, the answer is yes. So we used to stream these for, yeah. I don't know, like 40 episodes or something. Uh-huh. We bought a bunch of like special gear to make it work. Yeah, we put oh, these on, we put yeah. them on Periscope that. and we'd ask listener questions. Oh, yeah. Periscope. So like people would like... Back f- when Periscope was yeah. a thing. <laughs> oh, is it not a We're thing? We're back in the snarky train. Is it not a thing? Is it? This is really going far. <laughs> anyway, the problem was like that deep, deep existential conversation we just had before we started recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We couldn't have that. Yeah. Like, we couldn't fit that in because you couldn't like edit around it. You yeah. Know? I think like oh. if you have live a right radio, hmm, I don't know. Good call. I think there's something about people getting in front of a microphone that mm-hmm. changes the way they, they act or talk mm-hmm. and then add a video to that. And it's like this extra layer of now I'm worried about how I'm being perceived visually. So like, how's my posture? How's my body language? How's my eyes and hands? Oh my God, is is something in my teeth? Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I I also really love the off-air joke too. Like jokes that don't play in audio is like before this, we had this deep, deep existential conversation. So audio is a fun medium, like real good. I would agree with you. I love radio Mm -hmm. or I I loved. (laughs) And then it died. Yeah, well. I was still listening to it past the point of dying. Mm. So that show I listened to up until like a few years ago. So yeah, yeah it was a pretty good show. But you won't say what it is? Well, because people will judge me. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know what? <laughs> Whatever. You know, we can move Okay, on. no. We can talk about it. That's okay. I used to listen to Opie and Anthony. Oh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, what is that? It's is a that, serious that... satellite radio show. And it used to be, yeah, it used to be on normal. I don't know. I is that the small boy from Andy Griffith? No, I don't even know what you're talking about. There's a character named Opie. Hmm. Oh, there's these like two guys, and I guess they were billed as shock jocks for a really long time. Um, shock? Were they not very shocking? At- shock jocks? Shock like jocks, jocking? Yeah. What's that mean? Like shock Howard jocks? Stern yeah. stuff? Like uh, kind of like Howard Stern-y. Oh. Um, well, but they would have these really great comedians. That's jock. Got it. Shocking behavior. Shock jock. Shock jock. Yeah, and they used to have these really great comedians on... So mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with stand-up comedy. Yeah. And so I followed a few comedians their whole career. And so if you looked at Louis C.K.'s career, for example, I'm going to use him as an example. Um, but before all of those jokes became viral, he was already saying them on a radio show in a casual way, like 10 years before that. Uh-huh. And so when I saw him becoming more and more famous, it was a really interesting like trajectory. Because I was just re-listening to, to all of heard. those radio shows and he was working out those old jokes on the show with these two guys and they ended up being part of his stand-up routine that made him famous. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Huh. So boring stand-up. I'm a huge stand-up nerd. Nothing to be judged about. That's cool. Yeah. Like like Scrum or Agile? <laughs> just generally Agile? <laughs> Waterfall. This is something. I, <laughs> something, something, workflow. I, I was thinking about that the other day. I thought it would be really fun to have like a quick like YouTube video about like st- someone's first stand up and they think they have to perform comedy. <laughs> Tell us a joke. Good, good audio. Good audio. Helen. Yeah. We've gotten off track. If Sorry. you haven't noticed. Uh, you work at Shopify. Mm-hmm. What are you working on? Um, I manage a team of... Uh, I think I have nine reports within the wider 26 of us okay. uh, in Toronto product design. And that's part of the design team in Toronto, which is, I think is a little larger than that, obviously. I think in total, it's something around 40-something designers. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm actually working on is I am scaling that team to build something called an app platform, which is the platform we built for all of our developers to use our fun APIs. Uh-huh. 
You're you're giving me this goofy look like I'm saying something. That's just wrong. my face. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're okay. saying more good way. audio jokes. Yes. Um, so we're building a whole bunch of APIs so that developers can build apps on Shopify's platform. And so I've been working on that product for about two years now. Okay. I was the first designer on that product. Um, we first created like a bunch of sales channels on our own, and then we started creating APIs. And now the APIs are released to the developers, and now. Hopefully, developers are going to build sales channels for our merchants. So cool. Yeah. But now you're managing. But now I am managing. Yeah. How's that going? It's, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I get my ass handed to me every week. Um, management is like a huge self discovery phase. <laughs> you learn a lot about why you're wrong, <laughs> like how little you know about people and how they respond. And so for me, that's been really exciting. I guess I like being proven that I'm wrong a lot, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> which I am. Like every day I come in, I'm like, oh, here's another thing I fucked up. <laughs> Whoops. Today was a good day. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Yeah. So management uh, has been interesting and certainly like maybe I'm tuning my own horn, but I feel like Managing creatives is a little bit different than managing like the average worker. What do you mean by that? Um, so I think creatives. Ugh, don't <laughs> tease me about that word. Okay. I have nothing ugh, else to creatives. call creatives. I have nothing else to call designers. Just designers. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> fine. Designers. <laughs> well, you're like, I don't have anything else to call. You're- Insert alternative <laughs> word to call them. <laughs> okay, you're totally right. I should Sorry. call them designers. Um yeah, because they, they're just motivated. Like, I mean, I, th- I feel like it'd be a lot easier if people were just motivated by money. Mm. But designers tend to not be motivated by money. Okay. What are they motivated by in your experience? Oh, my God. Ceramic it's highly <laughs> individualistic. <laughs> highly opaque. Yeah. And... It, I have no idea. So when, when I get a new designer, I have to learn everything about them and, like, their personality and the, their little quirks and, like, how they respond to incoming data and, like – what they do with that data. And mm. then I have to like figure out how to really draw that out of them and use that strength as opposed to uh, just applying a blanket situation to all of them. So some You've of them are fill really... all your holes. So you all have the exact same coverage and then you <laughs> yeah. are all the same and can execute exactly the same way forever. Yeah. Yeah. Smooth, off, super boring. smooth off the good parts and put those <laughs> yeah. in the bad parts. And... But also it's weird because designers don't have, um, the exact same skill set, and neither do you want that. Uh-huh. You want like a team that has a whole bunch of different skill sets, and that's what makes a really powerful design team. And I think in other organizations where perhaps you have a very defined job role, it's a little bit easier to manage them because you can say, "Oh, these are my expectations. Do you reach up to those expectations, right. um, or do you rise up to them?" And then, but with designers, it's like, "Okay, well, this one has this really good skill. Like, how do I pull that out of them?" And, like, really pull the value for the entire team as opposed to just them. How do I really scale that? Um, And so their career goals are really specific. And if a designer really loves to prototype, he may become, like, a creative technologist in the future. Or she. Ugh. Or she. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, They. They. Good one. Good pronoun. Um, So it's, it's a lot of... It's a lot of learning about the person as opposed to just like a blanket approach to management. Yeah. How, how have you found that to be like, what's, Fun. what's effective for learning these things about people besides just spending time with them? I yeah. I want to it. avoid spending time with people as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like you can't, 
Is there a shortcut? No, no, <laughs> oh. unfortunately. Ugh. And that's that's partly a scaling problem too. Like yeah. we, I talk about scaling problems all the time because our like community climbing? is growing, growing so fast. Yeah, like climbing. Mm. It's so hard to climb up like really straight walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so our team is growing so big, so fast. And so the things that you used to do when the team was 10 or 5 no longer applies. And then that begs the question, do you need more management or do you need to be better at management? And that's always been a really, really difficult balance for us to figure out. Um, I think at this point we're at, we need more management because you can't, you can't be that individualistic and apply that approach if you have too many designers and you don't have enough time. And then not to mention, I'm still responsible for the products that they ship. So I still have to be involved in strategy meetings, understanding the project briefs and reviewing their work and ensuring that it reaches some sort of level of quality. Sure. So, um, that does get pretty untenable, like at about five designers. How long have you been managing for? Mm, I think I'm running up to my two year anniversary. Okay. What did you find was helpful at the start of that? Like, how, how did you even start to approach this new skill set? Mm, I relied a lot on my mentor at the time. Uh-huh. So it was a lot of me freaking out <laughs> during one-on-ones or like slacking him and being like, what is this? What the fuck is this? What does this mean? And I'm sure it was less dramatic than that, um, but it did really feel like that internally. I felt like every day was like, oh my God, I got to learn this like brand new thing. I've never approached this before, but I mean, it's all design. It's just a different type of design. And I like, I, I think this sounds really cheesy, but well, everything's designed because everyone's a designer. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Don't tweet me. Wait, wait, what sounds cheesy? Don't tweet me. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds cheesy to say like everything is a design problem, but I think when it comes to people, it really is. It's like, how do I, how do I ensure that this person doesn't like take something negative out of this or take something positive and like brings value back to the team. All right. So two years in, if you could go back and tell your first week manager self some advice, what would you tell them? Fucking chill out. (laughs) I feel like that's the advice I'd give myself in any time period. Yes. Like (laughs) equation. I feel like this is part of getting older though and like becoming more mature and understanding that like you should just fucking chill out. I was just talking to one of my, um, there's a director in Toronto and he's an engineering director. And I was just like, I'm looking forward to calming the fuck down. (laughs) <laughs> like maybe in three years I'm looking forward to that and he's like yeah it's really great my three year goal is just yeah, chill the fuck out <laughs> job yeah. interview What's yeah. your, where do you see yourself in five years Yes, chill the fuck out <laughs> Yo, I will be the chillest person in three years <laughs> and I know I'm intense and I know I like probably think about things too much so I, I'm looking forward to that horizon and I hope I reach it like sooner rather than later yeah. ah, so d- classic designer cool yeah <laughs> have you found anything helpful for chilling the fuck out uh, having a life outside of my job has huh, been that's surprising. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what, sorry, thought, how did you pronounce that? Life, life? <laughs> like, like L I. What is this v? life? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I found myself a hobby that I love, yeah. which is really nice. What's that? Um, bodybuilding. Nice. And being a gym rat, essentially, uh-huh. which has been really great for like mental health benefits as well. Did Is you it choose like the a, gym rat life or did the gym rat life choose you? I chose the gym rat life. Why? What happened? I was it, a huge couch potato. Is it like a shut your brain off and do the mechanical thing or is it like a 
like how does it help yeah. like what what is the mental state when you're doing that um well bodybuilding for one or weightlifting in general mm-hmm. teaches you discipline uh there's something to be said about i think progress over time is really difficult for people to grasp at any stage in their career it's like you can get really like tunneled visioned and feel like I'm not getting anywhere because you're not feeling immediate progress or really huge progress. And you compare yourself to someone from the outside and you're like, oh, my God, this one day he didn't have a podcast and now he has a podcast network. Right. Um, but oh, there good. was a lot of coming things, straight at us. Cool. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah. Chill. Snarky podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I'm sure there were a lot of steps and a lot of hard work that went into that. And I think a lot of people forget that and they compare themselves against that. So bodybuilding really changed how I thought about this stuff and the culture, the people doing the same hobby, they're really kind of compassionate, like self-compassionate. They're self-compassionate. Like, yeah. They're like, you know what? My body doesn't look like the way it, it does. Like I want it to look, but it will in a year if I put in the work and I'll just show up every single day and I know it's going to be hard, but in a year I'm going to be so happy. And so like that type of mentality is, has been so great for me because for a really long time, I was, I still am super ambitious, but then the counter, the counter side to that is like, I haven't achieved enough mm-hmm. and I don't even know what that means. Like you can never really define what that means, right? Yeah. Like bigger is better. Um, so I was always just kind of feeling down on myself. It's like, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? I'm like 24, where's my career going? And then you like kind of have like freak, like you freak the fuck out and it's so unnecessary. Um, and so like... I found it really admirable that there's this group of people working on this thing that could be vain if you looked at it from the outside, but you know, there's a lot to, there's a lot to learn from them. They're like really disciplined, really motivated, um, really healthy. great group of people. Yeah. Healthy. <laughs> they look fucking great. <laughs> I hang out with beautiful people all day. Come yeah, at me. Yeah. They don't eat up all They're the good food. They eat for me. Yeah. They, they eat all the shitty vegetables so I can have all them good, good donuts. <laughs> That's how I feel about bodybuilders. Um, yeah. And the mindset, you're right. Like focused on your body and like really not. So I am an overthinker, really analytic. So I tend to like st- stay in my head a lot, mm-hmm. probably too much. Um, familiar yes Mm -hmm. so i need i need to counterbalance that with a bunch of hobbies to pull myself out of that so i'm not sitting there ruminating about you know what i said last week or what i did last week i really shouldn't be thinking about it so it really pulled me into the present time so bodybuilding and hiking that i i seek hobbies that kind of like help me get over myself a little bit more huh i feel like maybe i have a very flawed perception of what bodybuilding is but you it do. seems like the like <laughs> if i were to play out oh someone that's uh, on one end of the spectrum is someone that doesn't work out and then on the me far opposite yeah Bryn, and on the far opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum is like a bodybuilder right and most people are somewhere in the middle yeah why did you swing to the far side to well i'm still in the lowest ranks like i'm okay. still an amateur and i'm still bikini level so that's um there's three levels for girls. There's bikini figure and bodybuilding and I'm in bikini, which is like the okay. lowest one. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't think I swung too far, but no, not swung too far, but you went, I, I went pretty probably deep. F- yeah. Deeper than most. Maybe um, they said they wanted to work out. Yeah. Well, I mean, what the fuck else are you going to do with your time? <laughs> <laughs> I need a life, but now all of a sudden I have way too much life. Well, theoretically <laughs> she's extending her life as well. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. I'm ambitious. Yeah. So when I saw my trainer like win his last bodybuilding comp, I I was I was intrigued, and I was like, okay, I I love a story. I love a good story. Mm-hmm. So I just love this idea of me maybe infiltrating bodybuilding and like learning all of these weird quirks they have. And I found out that I love bro culture. I love bros. They're wow. so fucking funny. Like, <laughs> like, wow. I love huh. like just hanging around them and hearing what they talk about. And like their point of view on life to me is fascinating because it's so outside of what it's I It's like a sitcom, right? Yes. yes. It's, it's, like, it's not like I want to be a part of this. It's like a... Okay. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes they're like really interesting. There's like, there's a spectrum of bros. Mm-hmm. There's like bro, bro, but like there's like philosophical bro. <laughs> and I Holy fucking shit, love- we need an infographic. Please, <laughs> please make one. <laughs> I love philosophical bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, man? And I just like look at my life and I'm like, is this worth it? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm like, I will feed me, yeah. feed me whatever like is going on in your brain. I, I think everyone has a philosophical bro in their life. Yes, I, I know. I yeah, it, it's yeah. like it's like your pot friend. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who also works out. Yeah, who's like ripped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like a counterbalance, maybe, <laughs> to day to day work. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like the competitive nature, like. That tone, like that actually like that piques my interest. Like this is now competitive versus just like for yourself. Right. But bodybuilding is a different type of competitive. You'll notice that the way they talk about it, it's they're compete. They're all competing with themselves. Mm-hmm. They just all happen to be in the same room competing mm-hmm. against each other. But when they talk about themselves, they're like, I'm just trying to be better than I was last time. So if you suck, yeah. you can <laughs> eat my dust. He's pointing to himself, guys. <laughs> Visual jokes. <laughs> So, hmm, how do we make this into a really beautiful metaphor for designers? Um, I guess you can create many screens, (laughs) and the many screens will one day be an app. (laughs) It's not about who has the biggest metrics. Apps over apps, guys. Apps over apps. You're competing against yourself. Is your Mao increasing (laughs) at a sustainable rate month over month? I guess we were talking about hobbies that made made me chill out a little bit more. It made me better at my job, to be honest. Yeah. Um, that I wasn't so entrenched in like talking about tech all the time or apps. And I think I've turned into a little bit of a Luddite. Like I hate like Snapchat. I hate spending time on my phone. Oh. Um I prefer like face to face. So yeah. I've turned into an anti nerd. Weird. How's that feel? It feels great. Yeah. My life is awesome. I feel like I, I'm kind of daydreaming of when i can stop caring about tech but then i don't know if i want i don't know i feel like this push and pull if i want to always be up to date on things right like be on the the cutting edge fomo dog fomo but then i also kind of like hmm it'd be pretty chill to never have to give a shit about any of this stuff that doesn't really matter yeah I, i i think i feel the same um the same as you like I, I love hearing about new things I love reading about AI and VR and I'm excited about it as much as I am like apathetic in a way so there's a side of me that thinks like oh my god I could just drop management and go straight to VR look at that opportunity it sounds so great and then there's the other side of me is like fuck it who cares yeah hmm. I don't I don't really know how you live with that like balance I don't know either maybe 
trying to make it a balance in the first place, probably, instead of going to one extreme or the other. Yeah. Which is like where I live my life. But then it sounds weird to like, wait, are you an extreme? Uh, no, but I have a problem of like fluctuating too far in the extremes instead of just seeking to like squeeze the peaks down into having a more consistent like up and down between caring and not caring, I guess. Right. Where are you? So, okay. So this is something I've been thinking about. Like, you know, the like um, lie detector things where mm-hmm. they like they scratch across. Like it seems like over time you you start like really big wavies and mm-hmm. then you kind of just refine it down until one like you like meter out yeah yeah well i think that's or like a pendulum right like you swing back and forth and eventually you just settle so i like this concept a lot i'm glad you brought it up Bryn. <laughs> um because i think it applies to basically everything i think about that for working out for dieting for your work-life balance for relationships is like one extreme is probably bad the other extreme is probably bad and fluctuating between those all the time is bad. So I think of uh, like working out every day for a month and then getting burned out and quitting for three months. It's right. like that's a shitty extreme when instead you should have probably just done two days a week right. for forever. Uh, so it's like squishing those peaks and valleys into a little bit more consistency. Um, it's probably a little more boring. Yeah but it probably has better results and is more sustainable in the long run. That's for like diets and workouts, relationships. Do you think that innately takes time? Uh, Probably. Like I think think people need to learn from. I think this is something we do as designers in like our iteration process, like try a lot of extremes and then like kind of. Yeah. Like you and I, when we work together, uh, you have one extreme that is very pragmatic and I have one that is very like over the top a lot of the time. And then we just kind of like squish in like slowly I think that I think that has to happen with time, not with like you can't force it. Maybe so. Maybe it's forced when you're a little bit older. Like I feel like as an industry we're all growing up together. Like you said something earlier today, like a lot of us are new. Like the practice like the craft itself is not new, but perhaps the industry is. We're and we're, we're seeing a ton of, of new people. Yeah. And so we're all kind of like the same age. And we're all just kind of collectively growing up together. And there's definitely design leaders that are more mature well, than there's we there's outliers are. on either side. It's yeah. a bell curve, right? Yeah. So I think this is just part of growing up, like understanding balance and like, but, but that's, that's what, what, that's what's interesting about youth too. Like I get younger re- reports and we just kind of like feed off of their energy because it's exciting. They get to their first job and they, they can't wait to create their first UI and, it makes me laugh because it's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and they can't wait to throw themselves at the problem. And they're so excited. To, like, when was the last time you were excited about, like, just making a button? This morning. <laughs> yeah, like, literally, literally like yesterday. Fucking awesome. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm dead inside. <laughs> yeah, we do sick Yeah, what buttons. happened to you? You're not excited by buttons anymore? <laughs> no, but, like, some people are still excited about that. And that's so great. When they join a team, it, yeah. like, kind of infuses the team with more, like, of that, you know, urgency. You should ask right. Bryn about his buttons. <laughs> border radius. What's the best border radius? One that shifts when you hover. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a joke. I do that. I never change. Very funny. I think it's like the button hugging your cursor. Oh, I know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> buddy. Are you lacking intimacy in your day to day life? <laughs> no, I've got Brian. I, aww. Aww. <laughs> wow. We went from super snarky to like the super sweet 
podcast. Wow, this is kind of a warm and fuzzy. Wow, anything like else you want to say? I mean, people don't like those buttons that much. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they don't like their cursor being caressed in such a way. Well, like one person. One person. Wait, you know one person are. complained about your button? Yeah. Did they say they didn't like being caressed? <laughs> Please stop caressing me. (laughs) (laughs) Did they write it in capital letters? Yeah, yeah. But I think their caps lock was broken, actually. (laughs) My cursor is feeling harassed right now. I did not ask for this hug. I going back to like the young extreme thing. Which is much more important. Um, button hugs. Welcome to the tangent podcast. Yeah. Where we never talk about the thing we're supposed to do. Can we rename is it too late to rename this? To tangents? Yeah. Or like yeah, it's not a bad idea. Wait, wait. No, they're not tangents. They're details. <gasps> Tangentials. <laughs> Tangential details. <laughs> Design tangentials. Okay, back to the, the squiggly idea. line. <laughs> is it is it good to try and bypass that? Bypass like, what? If it's inevitable that you're going to mellow out, is it good to bypass the extremes? Should you use or it while it you have it not. kind of thing? Only by through going the through the extremes that you can mm. naturally arrive at the mellowed out state. It's like, like time is a forcing function. I feel like I have to just fuck up and go back and forth in these extremes to really refine in my head, like my model of how the world should be. And which is probably a little more compressed, a little more chilled out, yeah. a little more relaxed about it's, the day to day. It's building up experience. Yeah. Yeah. Can you bypass that? I don't think you should. Hmm. I think you like, you, you should have like five years of your career where you're just bouncing around and you're just figuring shit out, like exploring things that are brand new. And then you kind of pick and choose what's important to you. And I think that's what creates that mellow line. Like everybody has their own different mellow line, right? We're not the same person. So you pick and choose from your extremes what you find valuable or what you find important to you or how you want to live your life. Mm-hmm. And then and then you mellow out based on that, which makes hopefully a very mature and interesting person at the end of it. Hopefully. Hopefully. If all works out. <laughs> but we'll see in five years. We'll see if you're interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got work back. to do, my dude. I'll come, I'll come back to you. I'll I've DM got a you. long uphill climb to become interesting. Hey, remember that time when we talked in a room that was dark for like an hour and then you said, <laughs> I'll get back to you in five years? <laughs> Hang on, setting a calendar reminder. <laughs> How are you on the interesting scale? One to ten. Right now, probably a f- Four. Four? Maybe even lower. You have more extremes. What extreme would you do, though, to make you more interesting? Ooh, which way would you shift? Well, high energy, low here's, energy. Here's the question. Is that is that the bar? Is How like valuable energy? is it to be interesting? Because probably... Well, first of all, hang on. Let's back up. Interesting <laughs> it, it, is subjective, right? Yes. Interesting to you is maybe not interesting to me. No, it's quantitative. So let's get that out of the way. <laughs> But then the second thing How is many like, people are interested? there's that probably is... people that are intensely interesting, but from the outside are perhaps quite boring. Like they're very interesting because they're so interested in one thing and they do that one thing. Brian, all just because you time. have a very dull appearance does not make you interesting on the inside. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but like the people solving hard problems are probably looking at the same shit every day, day in, day out, mm-hmm. until they solve, solve hard problems. Right. And the outcome's interesting. Right. Well, does maybe your work not. make you interesting? But th- maybe they're not. No, I'm not doing anything unique. I just 
fucking work on computers. Oh, is this self-deprecating podcast? <laughs> this this is really <laughs> taking a few turns. Just, I think <laughs> wait, we started on one extreme, but like <laughs> we I don't hit think the other. The, now we got to go back to the think, middle. I don't think the. I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting lost in my own thoughts here. But like, <laughs> is it a worthwhile goal to well, say I want to be interesting? Brian, you're starting bo- bodybuilding right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go work because you're in your own head too much. Yeah. I want to be interesting. I want to be. But is that like you set out to you set out when you wake up every morning and say, how can I be an interesting person today? Yeah. How do you do that? Like, what can I learn hmm. that's like completely different than what I know? Or, you know, being wrong is part of that, too. Um, getting wrong, your ass wrong handed. is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Getting getting your ass handed to you a whole bunch of times by life makes for an interesting person, I think. Okay. And I think when when I reach the end of my time span i want to be like (laughs) super old and be like that cool old wrinkly person in the bar like telling really weird stories Uh about my life like i want to be that person like you know everybody has this idea of who they want to be when they get old i want to be like the whiskey drinking weird grandma that has a butthole for her face because all her features like sunk into the middle of her face (laughs) and like wow that's that's who i want to be this is is a a concept i'm generally unfamiliar with That's no. very funny. I, I don't think I've ever thought of who I want to be when I'm old, old. Really? Ever. What? I've never Shorter. thought. Of. How do you choose your actions now? Uh, I use it to like guide my like weird life. Really? Like, how do I get towards this? Okay, whiskey, check. <laughs> Drink more whiskey. First of all, acquire a taste Become for whiskey. Become a drunk. <laughs> uh, um, don't go sit out in the sun for long hours and get sunburned <laughs> on my face. Check. Uh, no, I don't know. I've never thought about like what I want to be when I'm old. I okay. I don't I don't have a Have you ever met a plan. really interesting old person though? Brian's parents are awesome. They're very interesting. What makes them interesting? They're not that old though. Well, they're they were <laughs> Have you met a really fucking old person? Yeah, Brian's parents. <laughs> no, they they were FBI agents. They're like badass. Yeah. Yeah, and they have stories to tell, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they That's the what makes stories. an interesting person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have some gnarly stories to tell about that one time. Son, back when I was your age, I was debugging this gnarly <laughs> database query. <laughs> database query? Database query. Database. Yeah. Uh, well, one of my life goals is to acquire a, a quirky accent. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good one. <laughs> First sensible thing you said this entire podcast. <laughs> I work on that every morning. <sighs> Where are you from? From Canada. What part? Toronto. Hmm. Originally? Yes, born and raised. Wow. So you can tell I'm from Toronto because I don't say Toronto. I said Toronto. Toronto? <laughs> you kept saying you were running through the six and I just didn't. <sighs> I would never say that. <laughs> what? <laughs> running through the six. Ugh. You're a designer and you don't like so, Drake? What is this? So is, I, I do like him a little. So you like a deity? I feel like it's Toronto? part of like, living in Toronto. John does this too. I don't get it. What? John Lax hates Drake. What? I don't hate Drake. Why do you hate Drake? <laughs> Quit hating on Drake. <laughs> I, I don't if you know say I don't is. hate Drake, that tells me you hate Drake. <laughs> no, I totally don't hate Drake. I like a couple of his songs. I don't know. I just, I guess I just don't get it. Anyways, what's it like being from the same city as Drake? <laughs> I guess what we're saying is, <laughs> what was it like growing up somewhere with in, Drake in proximity? You're, you're basically to friends, yeah. <laughs> Well, I watched a lot of Degrassi. Yeah, uh-huh, as one does. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's that's all I got. Cool. I'm sorry, old Jimmy. 
What were you like as a kid? Were you a, were you a creative? <gasps> TM. I actually wasn't. I'm still the same person now. I read a lot of books. Yeah. Huge book nerd. Still am a huge book nerd. And I was quiet. It was a bit of an asshole. I think I was an asshole until I was 24. Aren't all kids assholes, though? Like a Yeah, little but bit? I was an asshole until I was like 24. What happened? Mm, like to make me an asshole. And then to trans- <laughs> to transform you out of the asshole phase of your life. <laughs> I met a real asshole. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. wait, wait, wait. I can't compete with this. Yeah, I'm going this, back the other way. This sounds way. like an interesting story. <laughs> no, it's not. It, um, it was that old butthole lady. At the <laughs> she was literally an asshole. <laughs> God, yeah. what is this episode? <laughs> it's sorry. fun. It's fun. Uh, so I, I said the old butthole lady at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title, man. That old butthole oh, lady at the no. bar. This if will... nothing intrigues you to listen to a podcast, Featuring Helen Tran. <laughs> this, this oh, will... that sounds so unpleasant. <laughs> this will 10x you as a designer. Oh, it's going to be huge, <laughs> huge. Uh, what were you we saying? And after all I, that garbage, let's hide something really deep in here. Yeah, yeah. How mm. you became an asshole and then how you became an unasshole. I don't know. I was just always kind of an asshole. I had like low emotional IQ. Hmm. I wasn't very compassionate. I wasn't very nice. Um, and occasionally I still have bad episodes where I'm not really the best. Um, and then, I don't know. And then life handed me some shit. And then I just kind of crawled out of that hole. And I spent like the last four years kind of becoming a better person. Um I think people, uh, yeah, just life handed me like some really hard cards. And then I went through some therapy. I learned a whole lot about emotions and how I got into that situation. Um, and then I just kind of, I, it's nerdy and maybe feels a little bit roll IE, but I feel like I like had some sort of rebirth. Roll IE. Roll IE. I roll. I Thank you. I got you. Thank you. I roll. That's what that meant. I roll. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that. I roll. No roll. I. Well, well, that well, was no, the wrong thing. That was thing. the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> is this like a framework or something? Yeah. 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 So yeah. quick. So I make a framework. Yeah, you learn it in business school, Bryn. You wouldn't know. <laughs> It's a framework on how to think when about problems. When you're an entrepreneurship major. That's right. That's right. What? Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It means <laughs> it means I'm highly qualified to be an entrepreneur. The most qualified. But actually. is it different than being a business major? Uh, no, it's in the business school. Oh, okay. You still take all the same classes. It's just with a focus on... You just... Sound. All it means all it means is I took the exact same place, classes as any business major. Places. Like Places. See, I'm told you I'm working on that accent. Uh, marketing, accounting, blah, blah, blah. But then you take a subset of classes that are like startup finance, right? It's like, how do you raise money? What is a cap table? What is a term sheet? Blah, blah, blah. I'm actually really interested in that. That's super cool. Oh, Ex- other incredibly than the, useful class. Other than the incredibly term useful. entrepreneur, which is yeah, the worst yeah. word in the... Well, yeah. it's not what? in the English language, but it's the worst word. Why? Because... The people who say it are not great. Uh-huh. I think Bryn's a little negative. Our whole business is based on entrepreneurs. I, I just really, Our, I just I really hate that I think, I I think the word entrepreneur to Bryn is like the word creative to you. It's like right. you say it because it, it it's a thing that it exists. It describes the thing, but God, I cringe every time. Mm. Do you not like the st- an entrepreneurial mindset? I don't like people who call themselves entrepreneurs. Really? Yeah. I think a lot of them... But what, uh, mm, what, do you, what do you call yourself skeptical. if you're not an entrepreneur? Yo, I just make shit. 
<laughs> that looks really good. Man. Yeah. <laughs> that, that just the, rolls off the, the table. That elevator pitch oh, is you make shit, fantastic. Right? Yeah, I make shit. Oh, you're like, like that's I make it. shit. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? Oh, I make shit. But what if you don't make anything? What if you just operate shit? Is that entrepreneurial then? Yeah. Yeah, man. We have tons of businesses at Shopify that don't make anything, but they run a successful business. Hmm. Enterprising. No, like selling other people's products. Yeah. I don't know. Profiteering is what I'd call it. (laughs) (laughs) Just making bitching money. Making that stacks. Um, Making that stacks. Making that stacks. Did you learn that from Drake? Well... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was doing research before you came. Um, For what it's worth, you don't seem like an asshole today. Thank you. Wow. Really uh, force feeding that one, bud. So you've done a great job. Uh, Good work. Keeping it in. So you you weren't a creative person growing up. No. I drew. Actually, I had this, I had like a moment. (laughs) <laughs> where I, I had a spark and then I killed it. <laughs> where I wanted to be an animator. So I actually went through the the process of creating an animation portfolio, going to, through an animation uh, pre-class, which is like something that you do with a couple of animation teachers, teaching you what it's like to be a full-time one. So you swung all the way in that direction and then you swung all the way back to... Design. Because I had been creating websites. I'd started just like everybody else did creating like really bad fan sites for people. Yeah, yeah. So I really love the show called Andromeda. Hell yeah. Which is like a Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> such a Hell nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I created a whole bunch of websites for that. Um, and then I did a personal website. And at the time, personal websites were like a thing for like girls mostly. Like you would get your own domain and you would talk about your shitty hobbies and your dumb life and the drama with your parents and maybe create like some trading card games online this sounds with like, like forms and stuff. A predecessor to like a mommy blog. Yeah. Yeah. It was essentially that. It was like a predecessor to like pre... pre Predecessor. Predecessor to beauty blogs and stuff like that. Okay. So um, they had these like trading card games and you would create all these forms and like trade these cards back and forth. I don't know. Anyway, I went really hardcore nerd. And then I decided I was going to become an animator because they loved Pixar and they still do. And then I learned that being an animator is just like back-breaking work all day, every day, creating someone else's vision. Um, And I wasn't, I didn't love it enough. Like you got to love the process more than you love the result. And I I knew I didn't love the process. Um, So then... I just kind of went to my teacher and I was like, what can I do? I'm really great at this. Making websites isn't a job. Um, at the time, it wasn't. So she was. She just said, become a graphic designer. That's the closest thing to that. Um, so I just took her word for she it. Just like GeoCities it up. Yeah. So I just took her word for it and then went into gra- like formal graphic design. Um, She's like, have you ever made a forum signature? How do you feel about them? <laughs> and that was the last time I was ever creative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was the day the spark died. <laughs> um, yeah. I, day to day, I'm like, oh, I don't really identify with being creative. I don't really know what it means anymore. Mm. Like, I, I think it means you come up with a lot of ideas, and I do. Um, but it doesn't mean anything else. Don't you think everyone does that, though? Like, isn't that a thing that people have to do to get through a day? No. No, probably not. Why? I think there's probably a large swath of people that don't. Like they just they don't have what's ideas. That like <laughs> just, they just probably have other shit to worry about. 
Okay, but like for example, weird example, my dad okay. is an attorney. Yeah. He would not be billed as a creative in most like job title senses, right? Yeah. But like having worked with him, like the way he thinks through problems is very similar to the way we do. Yeah. I think we're mixing the terms as like a creative is like a personality type or like representative of the output of the work versus like creativity, which is like a thing or an idea that people can possess. Right. Mm. I just think it's really interesting because it, it feels like it's exclusionary of other people as, as if they are not creative because they don't do this thing. Um, but what is the thing? Well, I think he's saying like it's a trait versus like a personality, like a person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like I don't identify with the person creative, but I can be creative. Like I can have a creative trait every so often. Sure. Every so often? Yeah. Every so every often. Once in a while. Every so often I come up with some ideas, but like day to day I'm just like a lump. Pretty <laughs> pretty lumpy. <laughs> is that aspirational for everybody? Is, that, is, is this Are working? you inspired? <laughs> Do you want to be me? <laughs> did you go to school? Um I did. That was when you studied graphic design? Yeah, I studied graphic design for three years and I was in and out. I hated school, was really bad at it. And well, I wasn't bad at school, I just hated it. Hmm. And uh, after that, I worked for a documentary filmmaker, went to a branding agency, started my own business. What was that? Um, It was a photography studio. So I had, um, I was teaching photography workshops, um, fashion and beauty, and some fine art stuff. And uh, I was renting the studio space as well. So that was an amazing thing. Yeah. Like, how long did you do that for? Only a year. Um, so what happened was I was running that business alongside a full-time job. And so I was working something like 80, 90 hours a week and I was 21. And I had this moment with my dad where I'd gone to Christmas dinner with him. I was sitting down just quietly eating my seafood. And my dad was like, yo, I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you look tired. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, at 21, you shouldn't be tired. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. And I, I like at the time, I didn't really take a lot of, like there was no stock taken in that. I went home and I was like, oh my God, he's fucking right. I'm 21. I should be like making dumb life decisions and, you know, sleeping with guys I hate and like, you know, <laughs> like going through the motions of this, like, you know, the growing up. And I had like pushed myself into this direction of I'm a grown up now and I have all these responsibilities. And I, I am a these, business owner. Yeah, I, I run business. I get revenue. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. I do accounting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, uh, you know what? Maybe that's not so great for my own personal growth or I don't foresee myself continuing this much further, um, like working 90 hour weeks. That's not sustainable. So closed down the business and chose to like put more time into my design career. And thankfully that was a good call. Um, so what was the next thing after your photography business? Um, so I stayed in the branding agency for a total of two years. Then I burnt out, had this like quit, Went to Barcelona, ate croissants every day for like 30 days. Now, you don't think of Barcelona as a croissant hotspot. Like what's... Yeah, it's weird. But they don't, have, <laughs> they don't have real breakfast there. You know, like for me, real breakfast is real American breakfast. Like eggs, bacon, potatoes. Not a real Canadian breakfast? Well, it's that's the just same. the same thing well, with Timmy's. I'm, 
I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's like known as a Canadian breakfast. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's like uh, an American just breakfast. Just an American. You replace eggs with poutine. Uh, uh, oh, no. Dude. Poutine is hungover food. That's not breakfast. Poutine's well, amazing. aren't you poutine. usually hungover in the morning, though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. uh, so you went to Barcelona. So I went to Barcelona. Then I found a startup in Toronto because I couldn't get a job in San Francisco. Um, Why not? Mm, I don't know. It just didn't work out. I applied to Facebook, uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. I, just, I love YouTube. and yeah, YouTube's chill. This a couple other startups in SF, and I got far in the interview process for one, and then they declined me. Um, so, so then I was looking at my options, and I was like, at the time, Toronto Tech was good, but it wasn't great. It was all right. Um, well, Drake hadn't popped off yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was still on Degrassi at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went for a couple startups there, worked for a crazy motherfucker for about six months. I quit my job through an email. And then thankfully, I f- someone else saved me and offered me like their four job offers in the week, within yeah. the week. Wow. Um, I went to Jet Cooper, which was a design agency. And then we were acquired by Shopify. So that was a nice summary. I read the post. What? Your post. Which one? The path. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't have a very easy path. Like, I think a lot of people are really lucky these days. It's really great that you can get an internship at a place like Shopify and work there. And then as soon as you have that name on your resume, you're you're done. Like It adds some credibility, right? Yeah. And kids these days are so lucky. I don't want to sound like an asshole, but it's true. Like... Our profession didn't even exist when I started. Um, and now all of a sudden, like, there's managers of it and leadership conferences about it. And there, it's just a brand new industry that didn't exist before. Sure. So, like, I think I, I fell, like, I fell through a lot of different holes in order to get here. Um, and now management. And now I'm in management. And now so here I am. what's the best org design? <laughs> I don't know. Someone help me. <laughs> it's really hard. If you have org design tips and tricks, tweet out. <laughs> Can you please send me a diagram on Twitter? Yeah. At uh, Trent Helen. Please send me the diagram. I really need it. Um, I don't know. Our, I've been reading this book called Design. Um, sorry. Org Design for Design Orgs. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I've seen that photo or the, the cover on Twitter. Yeah. I was like, a, huh, this book exists. Yes. And it's actually really fascinating. And I think at Shopify, we have some some representation of what they're talking about in that book. So they have these series of roles and the roles kind of interact with the number of people. So they have something like a design program manager for every 15 people. Um, they have stuff like that. What does that mean? I've never heard of that. A design program manager works on efficiency. So they take a look at the tools that a design would use and figures out like hey is figma the right choice if not like like or if yes let's train the whole team on it and get them on it like as fast as possible if no let's try to find something else or like are they getting hung up because we can't even name our files properly and they can't find it which is you know a weird problem but like it's a problem everyone yeah um so that's that's that person's role 
or they have something like a design technologist. So that person is like an engineer that happens to be reporting into the design team that like susses out the, um, I guess the potential for your design to be executed well. Um, and so he tries different technologies and sees it, if it can actually be done. Um, so I don't, I don't have anything like that at, or we don't have anything like that at Shopify. Um, but it also talks about how you set up your team. Like there's like decentralized models and de like uh, centralized models. So centralized being uh, your design team acts as like it's an, like an agency in-house within, agency. Yeah. Right. And I heard Twitter's did that for a long time and then they split into like pods or whatever. I think Dropboxes yeah. did that for a while too. And then I have, we have pods at Shopify, which is decentralized. Yep. Um, but then they talked about like how to get the best of both worlds, which is like how to, how to get like a, a centralized something model. Um, they called it something. And it's kind of like having almost what we're moving towards at Shopify Toronto, where there's a series of designers that are responsible for one area, but they all work on different projects. Mm -hmm. And But their expertise or their breath kind of like spans the entire project area, and they're responsible for the whole thing together as a group. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, ju we're just naturally, organically figuring that out right now, but it was nice to see it in a book and see it represented there. Um, but I think there's a lot of things that I I can take out of the book and try to apply it back home. It feels like, hey, we're not totally winging it. Yeah. Yeah. It feels kind of nice to be like, oh. Someone I else came up with this yeah, too. I thought we were like losing our minds there for a second because I couldn't tell if we were growing too fast to um, keep up like from a management perspective or if we had just not figured out the right like structure and, you know, just all of those questions. So it was nice to see it kind of like represented. Um but looking forward to seeing like how I can actually apply any of that knowledge, and if I can, yeah. What? Nothing. That's <laughs> awesome. It's kind of boring. <laughs> uh, I mean, you just solved org design for us, so it's it's not boring. I uh, it's one thing that I just have no idea how to talk about. Right, <laughs> Brian. We should work out our org structure. Yeah, like I've never. That's it's a totally new field of like org structure design and scaling a team that yeah. uh, I don't even know the right questions to ask. I'm yeah. putting Brian in a pod with himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, can we be distributed you're pods? Gonna, you're gonna sit in our out, own. You're gonna sit out in the kitchen. I'm gonna sit in here in the studio. I'll yeah. be my own pod, and Max gonna be great. a pod in Austria. That sounds great. Done. <laughs> then you guys can talk about scaling problems. We're cross. Yeah. <laughs> we're cross functional with ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's an interesting topic because I, I don't think we talk about it enough as a design industry. Like as a designer, there's more than just an app. Like there's service design, organizational design, like like management design. There's a whole bunch of ways to apply design thinking and our thought process and super valuable for the business just as um, just as impactful, if not more impactful, yeah. and really fulfilling too. Um, to be able to understand how people work together and to make them operate better is really fascinating. And it's something that, you know, the most, the best companies in the world are trying to figure out. And like, why wouldn't you want to be involved in that? Um, there's a really interesting series of case studies I've been reading, but one that really stood out is Bridgewater. Um, so Bridgewater is a financial company, mm -hmm. uh, I think, if I'm correct. And um, they actually outperformed a lot of uh, Silicon Valley companies in 2007, but they're still doing relatively like, like well. Like in that they made money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we don't play but that they game have, like, here. 
a fascinating CEO and a fascinating culture. And the way that culture impacts the way they all work is like, to me, it's like, that's my jam. Like, Wait, what's I the book? I, I feel like I've heard of this. Oh, Originals? Words. Originals? Uh, by Adam Grant. You should all read it. It's well, fucking fascinating. I, okay. Originals. Um, I, I feel like I've heard Bridgewater what was before the interesting in the context way of like how they set up their management structure. Yeah. So the CEO has this belief um, that I think is really interesting, which is no one has the right to keep um, like a, an, a dissenting opinion to themselves. I'm paraphrasing. Um, so if you disagree, like you don't have that right to keep it to yourself. And so how they, how they kind of like, applied that value and actually changed the culture of the company to kind of match that is really interesting. So if someone in the lower ranks, quote unquote, lower ranks, sends an email to their manager or the CEO and says, hey, I think you were wrong on this. I really disagree. They'll like forward that to the entire team and talk about why that was such a positive thing. Um, So the book in that chapter, it talks about how diversity is correlated to the success of a company past IPO point. So up until IPO, having a strong culture with people that are very similar is really great because it helps you push out products. It helps you find customers that value what you value. But as soon as you hit public market, you have to compete um, and you have to expand your portfolio. And the only way for you to expand your portfolio is to understand the possibilities for like the different markets, right? And the only way for you to get that is to get diverse opinions. Um, so people who retain that original culture that got them to IPO point um, actually start failing and they start under um, underperforming compared to their competitors who have a diverse workforce um, or diverse ideas, essentially. Um, so that's how that company kind of like encourages people to be a little bit different. And this is like repeat, repeated in a lot of psychology studies where if you're in a room of six and you're the one person who doesn't have the same opinion, you're not going to say it. But at a company, that's incredibly dangerous. You have six experts at the table and one has something that really interesting to say possibly. and But the psychology of the room makes them incapable of saying it. Clearly those people aren't designers. <laughs> Yeah, no, clearly think, they're not arguing about whether or not they should code or well, not. Well, that's a huge problem, right? Even yeah. in, in design meetings, like one person spots a flaw, but everyone else seems to be cool with it. So you just yes. chill. Yeah, right? and the whole point of having design feedback sort of meetings is that you don't get that. You don't get this group think. You don't agree with just whatever is being presented. Um, so what do you do with your team? I think I'm the dissenter. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm always the person that thinks everything's but, bullshit. I hate all their work all the time. <laughs> Helen Tran. I'm just a dick. <laughs> Solution. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think we encourage. I think it's hard. We. I, I feel like I do run into that problem at Shopify. Um, and I think maybe radical candor. I Like, I hate talking about this. I hate that phrase. But... Um, that was something the industry needed to hear, which was you do need to say, like, that Bridgewater is correct. You don't have the right to keep that to yourself. Like, you're hired as an expert, and that's what we expect out of you. And so if you disagree, like, that's part of your job is to voice that. Um, and if you're finding that you're going to meetings all the time and just agreeing and just agreeing, you're not doing your job. And so I try to be honest and transparent about how I speak about the issues I encounter at our team. Um, Like I I do talk to them like, hey, 
I think we fucked up on the hiring or we're not doing so well with diversity and this is what I think like we should do better. Um, and I think identifying or at least saying it out loud from a leadership perspective, like, you know what? No, we're not perfect. This is not right. Like, I disagree with this. Gives people a lot of license to act the same way. Mm -hmm. And certainly, like, obviously not punishing them when they do disagree and giving them some time and respect to explain their point of view and discussing it as a group and really encouraging that culture is really helpful. Do you find that that makes you move slower or ends up with compromisey, perhaps less opinionated, boring um, decisions? That's a good question. I think it does. So creative tension is, it does make you move slower. But in the end, I've, I've found it to come up with a better, more informed design. Um, so I don't know if I've ever seen it. I've never seen a design go through the motions of people disagreeing with it and then have it come out worse. Like I've, I've never seen that. This is kind of like the pendulum, right? Yeah. What like, do you mean? The the multiple people are like the the different like extremes, extremes and you pull on each other to get to like a centered like solid solution. Yeah. Well, I think there's like compromise like yes, we agree this is the best direction based on the goals. And then there's compromise like yes, I'm agreeing because I want you to shut up. Like I think that's two different things. Well, that's not compromise, that's surrender, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, but I think some people feel that compromising is that continuing to fight is no longer worth it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that one's a little bit hard too. Like Cap Watkins has a blog post about that. It's like, um, you should wait, you should rate every argument you have. Sliding scale of giving a fucks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I think that's like, in a way, I think that's really faulty because, um, I don't give that many fucks about a lot of like arguments, right? I automatically and, lose everything. Yeah. And it's like if like someone super passionate and like super not chill <laughs> was like fighting someone who had a personality that was really submissive perhaps and a little bit apathetic, like those two personalities clash. And then all of a sudden one's rating every single argument like 10 out of 10 and one's rating the argument like in order for that to exist, both person both persons coming to that meeting have to be like really reasonable. It's a gameable system, right? Where yeah. like ten. <laughs> Can I use eleven? Ten. Are we ten good with ten. that? Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. All the time. Um so yeah, I think that doesn't account for a lot of different personality styles and also the way people communicate. Some people have like an urgent way of speaking, and some people have a really non urgent way of speaking. So me saying like, I don't really like that to like certain people can mean like yeah, she doesn't give a fuck. But like to other people, when they say like, I don't really like that. We can't ship this. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, yeah. like, it's like, oh my God, I've Yo, offended. Yo, you're an intern. You can show <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like I've offended his mom. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like the way people speak is really different too. So I, I feel like that rating out of 10 thing is kind of flawed, but. Hmm. And these are the things that you get to deal with every day. Yes. As a people manager. Yes, yes. These are the things I think about yeah. every single day. How people talk and how people interact with each other in a room. Yeah. Um, what keeps you up at night? I sleep really well. Nice. So you're, <laughs> you're good. No. Um, no, I'm not good. <laughs> no, no, I'm very opposite. not good. Bad, bad. I'm doing not terribly. I, yeah, I do sleep really well. But what, like, I guess worries me when I'm, like, coming home from work um, is what the team's going to look like in two years. Mm -hmm. So when you're at a hyper fast growing company, we're doubling in employees every year. 
Um, so when I joined, it was 200 people, and now we've added a zero to that, and it's three and a half years later. So you can imagine the amount of problems that brings up. Like when you add like one person to a group of two, the dynamic changes. But what if every single time you added a person, the group doubled? Like it's like two to four, yeah. four to eight, yeah. eight to sixteen, and the complexity that that adds to any situation, working, professional, like, or personal, um, it's just crazy. So I think about, oh my God, what's the team going to look like in a year? And what can I do now that will preemptively solve problems mm. a year down the road? Mm-hmm. And that's, that is a design problem. And it's, it's like hard because you, you have to think about like, okay, well, if this person doesn't feel happy in their career, what's the damage? And like, how could I fix that damage before it becomes a problem? It's like, well, then now I have to like figure out like their rate of growth. And like, so maybe they're growing like every six months to a brand new level. And so now if I factor that in, I have to move them to this team and hope that they work on these projects. And so that in a year they'll grow into a person so they don't get upset about their career. And now how does that impact the three people around them? And it's just like, it's just this really like crazy web of, you know, career growth. The end game is all like butthole ladies at the bar, right? (laughs) (laughs) How do I get this person to be a butthole lady at the bar? (laughs) Not what does the team look like in two years? What does the team look like in 60 years? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Will they be butthole ladies at the bar? (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you glad you said that? I'm regretting everything right now. No. Um, yeah. But I, I worry about their happiness too. Like, it's, are they happy is my number one question um, are they? all day, every day. <laughs> Answer that live Fuck on the I air. I know. Can you guys tweet me? Let me know if you're happy. Yo, reports. <laughs> tweet at Get us. Get at me. Unless you're not, in which case, don't. Keep it to yourselves. Yeah, we don't care. If you're not happy, uh, please don't tell me. <laughs> I'll cry. Wow. I'll cry. <laughs> Yeah, I get really, yeah, I think about that. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you're at least sleeping well. Thanks. <laughs> I hope you sleep well too. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's I been, hope we all sleep well. Yeah, if, if I could wish one <laughs> yeah, I guess good one night. thing on, yeah, and good night. Uh, yeah, I would never want to curse someone with bad sleep because that's just awful. What do you guys... What do you guys? I slept very poorly like, last. Has night. anybody ever asked you guys what you think about, like, what keeps you up at night? No. Okay. Well, what keeps you up at night? Like, I don't want to play like, this game. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like being on this side of the microphone. I feel like I have every reason to be worried about a bunch of things right now, given that I like don't have any income because I started this new thing with Brian, and we don't know if it works yet or anything. But I'm really not worried. Like I'm. Yeah. It feels like the right thing for me to be doing. So I'm just like, good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm in the same spot. Like a a reasonable person would be worried about a lot of things. Um, I more just get distracted by staying up too late and watching. um, I'm rewatching Lost right now. Right. Because I can. uh, Because I'm an adult with a TV and a Netflix subscription. And um, I don't judge you. So that keeps me up. I tried to go to bed. Like I tend to stay up late. Like so literally in a literal sense, what keeps me up is like I just stay up late and work or play video games or whatever else. Um I tried to go to bed at like eleven thirty last night and I was up till like two. Oh. I just could not sleep. And that is the worst feeling in the world. 
Mind was like, buzzing, yeah. When you try to go to sleep and just can't. Mm-hmm. I'm like a baby. As soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm out, dead to the world. Also, my mind wasn't buzzing. I had podcast in, but it was too hot in my room. Classic. Couldn't sleep. Maybe that's the sign of a creative person. So you guys are creative and I'm not. I go to sleep at night because there's nothing running through my brain. Maybe that's it. Well, I got these new headphones that like <laughs> if, if I like roll over, like it doesn't bother me. So right. I can like wear them while I'm sleeping and it's uh, fucking great. Up. No, but that's why I have to always do something else besides work before bed. Like if I am working and then I lay in bed, I just keep working on the problem. So I have to break it up with either a walk or a TV show or a video game or like something that's totally... Something brain dead. Something brain dead, yeah. Hmm. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. That was an interesting conversation. Interesting is one way to put it. <laughs> I hope you guys have 10X yourselves. I hope that was valuable. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a 10X de- developer now. I'm a 10X oh. podcaster. Oh. 10X org designer. I'm a 5X interviewee. <laughs> Five. I think I got a little you're, bit you're better. You're the equivalent of five interviewees. <laughs> I'm as good as five episodes. I would say, you know. Oh being, no, being I didn't modest. mean that. Oh, well, oh, that's no. how it came across. Oh, <laughs> I feel so embarrassed for my Canadianness right now. Uh, there has never been an episode that said uh, "butthole lady at the bar" before. So <laughs> I don't know that that sentence has ever come out of anyone's mouth. Yeah, I'm not in sure the that history of existed. like humankind. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, oh my that, God, I'm the worst podcast guest has ever. Has that phrase ever been uttered on the planet Earth? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's. See, yeah. I'm creative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I bet that's the difference between creative people and non creative people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Perfect. Thanks for coming. That was episode 195. Thank you so much to Helen for coming and hanging out with us, stopping in while she's busy uniting. That was like super fun getting to hang out with her and like meet her and talk about some like pretty high level shit like org design. We don't talk about that on the show. Let us know what you thought. We're on Spectrum at spectrum.chat. You can also hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Uh, we're open for critique, comments, feedback, suggestions, praise, glory, and immortality. Immortality, huh? Uh huh. How are you going to get that one? The tweets. Give me them tweets. Please don't. Uh, Before we go, we want to thank our good friends, Fuse, for sponsoring the show. Fuse makes it simple and fast to build native apps for iOS and Android. It's going to change your workflow. If you want to build apps or your team is currently building apps and needs a better workflow, go to Fuse. If you're building apps, you need a better workflow. Yeah, which which you do. Like It's kind of a given. Go to FuseTools.com. It's a cross-platform component-based UI engine that makes building apps easy and collaborative. Uh, we can't thank them enough for supporting the show and for solving some of the hardest problems in product design. Go to FuseTools.com. Thanks again to Fuse, and we'll see you next week. That would have been funny as like an April Fool's thing is to release an episode where we just do guided meditation for designers. Can we just get like, the oh headspace, Oh my God, dude? yes. Imagine. And you say things like, 
pixels. <laughs> Now, picture the border radius. It's smooth. Bring it in. Too smooth. Let it out. <laughs> Sharpen. Unsharpen. Uh, unsharpen mask. <laughs> alias. Anti-alias. <laughs> What is happening right now? Think about that feeling when you align two objects together oh, perfectly. The grid. And then it mm. snaps. <laughs> Snap two pixels. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're just like a weird, like softcore designer. Is this ASMR? Is that what that is? Yeah, ASMR. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. But is, can you ever like run a meditation app and not be like weird and creepy about no, it? No, you have like, to have out of like, context. that soft voice or be British. Is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right? but he has a soft voice too. Yeah, It's yeah. a little nasally though. Yeah, soft nasally British voice. Yeah, soft nasally British. Yeah, cool. The only equation or piece of that equation I'm missing is. British. Otherwise, I would be perfect. Mm. Are Canadian mm. accents really soothing? Mm. Canadian. Well, it's <laughs> yes, for sure. It's like mostly as bad as a U.S. accent, but also slightly cooler. a boot. Yeah, I swear I don't. It's about. very subtle. Yours is subtle. Okay, but we can except for out, which is out strong out. <laughs> We're not here to critique your, your <laughs> accent. You out? Well, you asked. Out. 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 Mm. Mm. You're over-pronouncing the U. <laughs> Oot. 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 I can't live my life like this. Oats and stuff. <laughs> steel cut or old-fashioned? Out. <laughs> Don't say steel cut because I bought steel cut and it was a huge mistake. Steel cut oats? Yeah. I didn't know what I was buying. I thought I was buying, I thought I was buying normal oats. I, I just, we literally had an oat fiasco today, so yeah. I just shifted to like, oats. I was like, oh, oat. I'm going to make some oats, but I bought the wrong kind of oats, the kind that take 30 minutes in hot water versus 30 seconds. Right. You bought oats and you wanted oats. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 